Hello, and welcome to Ink Tank, an enthusiast podcast for animated feature films. I'm your host, Lily, and joining me today are my very special guests, Hayden and Stan. Say hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. I'm so happy to have you guys here. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, uh, Why don't you guys tell me a little bit about yourselves and kind of what you do and that sort of thing. Just let the audience know who you are. First, I'll have to figure out who I am myself, but if you're willing to go on this journey with me, uh, let's let's start this. Well, I guess I'm just like gay feelings and our tabletop RPGs. That's kind of my whole deal. Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I do a podcast with Hayden called They See Me Rolling, and uh, that's pretty much all my life is, is just editing that and going to my regular work job. Because Stan, I, I, I don't want to dog on you, but that's kind of sad. But you have that's no awesome. idea how much, how much prep that show takes. Honestly, like that's the dream life. Like that's it. You've reached the peak, my friend. That is like, <laughs> that's ideal. Oh, well, if if we could get money for that show, it would be great. Like if that show was I my know. actual job. Well, maybe if you would take my advice and start a Patreon account. Like I've been saying for months, we could do that. Yeah, we might oh get five goodness. bucks a month. Listen, my personal pieces aren't going to pay from the cell stand, okay? I've got jumpsuits and socks to buy. Oh, two minutes in and we're already dragging each other. I'm so excited. This is going to be great. <laughs> it's okay. I, I love you. I'm, I love you, Stan. I'm, I'm virtually patting your head right now. Oh, thank you. I, I'm virtually feeling it. Uh, I, I'm really excited to have you guys on because um, I am actually a really big fan of They See Me Rolling and I uh, am an avid listener and I enjoy it very much and especially Stan's voice. So I'm really excited to have it on my podcast. Uh-huh. Uh, thank you. <laughs> and I'm, <laughs> I'm like ridiculously nervous right now and I shouldn't be. So just like forgive me for being awkward and weird because... Only if you forgive us for being awkward and weird. Okay, good. We can all be awkward and weird together. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Um, (laughs) Just a bunch of adults talking about cartoons on the internet. There's nothing to be ashamed (laughs) of here. Exactly. On a Saturday night when there are so many other things I could be doing or should be, I guess. You know how many Um, books I could be reading right now? How many? (laughs) Do you know how much laundry I I should be doing? Uh, you say but, you say that I'm uh, my desk is right next to a chair that is the designated laundry chair in my house. So I <laughs> no yeah, I pay I, my roommate to do the laundry. Jesus Christ, Dan! <laughs> if that oh, that would be the life, wouldn't I? I live with three other people, and like I can't pay them to do anything except maybe occasionally get me food when I don't feel like leaving. <laughs> anyway, um, what <laughs> what movie are we going to be talking about today on this? Lovely Saturday evening. Well, uh, I saw Princess Mononoke. I don't know <laughs> if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Because they only say it once in the movie. Mononoke? Is that... I, well, Princess I believe Mononoke. Mononoke is correct. Okay. Yes. Yes. Ruff, um, roughly translated from uh, Mononoke Haime, which means spirit princess. Yes. Um, so just a quick rundown about this movie. Uh, it came out in Japan on the 12th of July of 1997. Um, and then it came out in the United States on October 29th in 1999. So it took them quite a while to bring it out in the U S. Um, this is a studio Ghibli movie. So, you know, that good stuff. Um, 
let's see, it has a uh, 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. And uh, it made $160 million in the box office, which is pretty impressive considering. Yeah. I heard that, um, bef- that up that um, when it came out, it was like the highest grossing film in Japan of all time until Titanic came out. So. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing about that is it actually did not do very well in the box office here in America. No. Um, but it did really well when it went to DVD and video. Yeah. Um, and this was kind of the movie that like started Ghibli's popularity, which then took made Spirited Away become like incredibly popular. Yeah. Um, because that was the next one that came out. I'm um, actually old enough to remember when this movie came out in the United States. So. <laughs> well, see, I was when it came out in Japan. I wasn't even born yet, so <laughs> <laughs> I was twenty when, was, when it came out in did, Japan. When did it come out in Japan again? Uh, July twelfth of ninety Yeah, I was born in September of nineteen ninety seven. Oh, so oh, it's, I, oh, I was I was one year old when this came out. <laughs> yeah, so. I was a figment, but not a thing. Um, so I, I actually have to admit, before um, watching this movie to talk about it with you, I had actually never seen this movie before. I have been deprived of some of the simplest joys of life, including most Studio Ghibli movies and Pokemon and Zelda. Whoa. Uh, I did not consume any of that content growing up, and I'm trying to catch up now that I'm 20 <laughs> and just trying to like get on board and figure out what the hype's all about. Are you an um, anime fan in general? Um, I, Not a whole lot actually. I didn't watch very much. I watched a little bit when I was in um, middle school and high school. I made some friends that got me into like I watched Titalia and I watched uh, Oron High School Host Club uh-huh. and I watched a little bit of Black Butler I think. Um, my, my heart just did a little flutter when you said Oron High School like that. Yeah, uh, that was my my little gay my little gay teenage heart was all yeah, about that's, that. I think that's probably my favorite little thing that I've ever seen. It's it's a good little show, and like any show that has an Alice in Wonderland episode has my heart. So, you know, it's uh that's that's a good one. Um, but no, I didn't watch a whole lot of anime growing up. Um, we we really didn't watch any. TV at all. I mostly played computer games and it was mostly... See, because I'm the oldest of three, and so growing up, we always kind of did what my sister wanted to do, because she was the baby. Um, So I watched a lot of Dora. (laughs) (laughs) I watched a lot of PBS, like Martha Speaks and stuff like that, so... No, didn't didn't watch a whole lot of anime. Didn't matter what I wanted to watch. Mm. So... I have almost the exact opposite uh, situation to you, Lily. I... Am the youngest of second youngest of five children. So, oh wow! Yeah. So by the time they got to me, I, you know, having kids was uh, was kind of old hat. So I was pretty much left to do whatever I wanted. And what I wanted to do as a as a child was watch a lot of anime. <laughs> I, I was. That's great. It was not, majority of it was not good anime. I'm not. It's not something I'm particularly <laughs> proud of now. I I was the type of person <laughs> at fifteen. I. Uh, insisted on pronounced it anime <laughs> because oh god I, I was a sophisticated little uh l- little person <laughs> see my sister is 14 and she's the baby so she's kind of being left to her own devices and uh she's into that anime stuff oh really see i grew up in the 80s so we didn't really have much of uh anime there was robotech um uh, 
but I didn't, I was never into mechs or people in robots. I was, I liked my robots being uh, sentient, like the Transformers. And, yeah. you know, I was just a little kid then, so I had no idea how terrible this stuff I was watching was. Um, <laughs> it was He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers, Thundercats. I've tried rewatching any of those things, and it's just, it's hot garbage. Um, I, I just... <laughs> I think, you, like, people from your generation staying in, moving backwards, had it worse as far as children's content than any other generation. Like, <laughs> yeah, only slightly better than like you know going out playing in the street with like a hoop and a stick. <laughs> like, yeah, I well, it's like your generation benefited from my generation growing up in loving cartoons and then realizing, mm-hmm. oh hey, we can make these better. Um, mm-hmm. like yeah, I saw when I was sick, Avatar, the last airbender and was just Ugh. in awe how amazing this is. But no, I see, it's funny. We are, we talk about this because, um, I, a lot of the cartoons that I watched growing up were like the stuff that my parents watched. So we watched like the Smurfs and Pink Panther and Bugs Bunny and Tom and Jerry and the Snorks and the Jetsons and the Flintstones and Scooby-Doo, like Boomerang basically was pretty much like all we watched besides PBS and Nick Jr. Um, Yeah. So like that's my, as far as TV shows go, that's my knowledge is like old old cartoons from you know the 70s and the 80s yeah my 60s (laughs) i had i had kind of the best of both worlds because my dad was really really loved looney tunes so you know he at some point when i was like eight or something probably you know sat me down and like handed me like this giant box set of looney tunes it's like here you go a child this uh this this is the good stuff treasure it it's like thank you oh yeah you know back in the day they had to go to the movie theaters to watch that stuff they didn't get it on tv yeah well i mean my parents aren't that old they (laughs) had tv (laughs) but they had three channels (laughs) (laughs) yeah minor minor that old but yeah we had looney tunes growing up but it's just it boggles my mind that they were just right there on television yeah. Easy for me to uh, you just watch, but my parents, well, not my pa- my mom. My mom was growing up in Brazil. They had nothing. Um, but my dad could just go to the movie theater and watch it. I have a friend who's, uh, who his guidance counselor calls Steven Universe, Steve in the Universe. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I guess laughs> Which is like the best thing I've ever heard. That's like- it is accurate like 25% of the time, but yeah. So anyway, I had never seen this movie before and I really enjoyed it. Um, I It was just, it's visually like really stunning. Mm. I mean, that's, you know, what you expect from Ghibli movies. They're all just like, ugh, it's like eye candy. It's all so beautiful. You just want to curl up and live in it, even when it's uh, dark and scary, you know? part of you just kind of wants to like live there and not here. (laughs) Um, This is my first time seeing the movie and my first studio Ghibli movie. Okay. Wow. We need to get some champagne out of here. Yeah. Yeah, Seriously. So Hayden, I'm guessing you don't have the the same experience. No, I, uh, uh, I grew up on Ghibli movies and, uh, you know, kind of thing my 
parents uh, were just like, eh, it's cartoons. It's fine. So <laughs> little, little Hayden got an, an eyeful of a lot of, lot of grisly stuff uh, when they were, uh, when they were a little baby, like uh, weird deer spirits with person faces getting their heads. Blown oh my off gosh. Just like, yeah. <laughs> Like I and 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 samurais getting both of their arms chopped off by an arrow. That is, and their their heads, their heads just popping off with heads. an arrow. Yeah, there, was... There's a scene that like still there's a shot that still to this day like viscerally shocks me. Like Ashitaka catches an arrow out of the air that's being fired at him, and then <laughs> fires that arrow back at the guy, and like. Uh, like blasts his head off and it is still just like yeah so shocking to see that in animated form <laughs> oh it's so <laughs> cool though there were so many like uh, so many cool just fight scenes and ugh, i was so engaged the whole time and it sucked because my my video i was watching kept buffering because my wi-fi is bad and so my video the movie would start buffering and i would go no <laughs> <laughs> stuff that <laughs> oh yeah probably the my uh, the best scene or my favorite scene as far as like uh, just well staged action goes I think is the um, the scene where Son uh, bur- uh, invades the <laughs> stages a one person invasion on the village oh and my gosh pretty much is winning until she's pulled away it's amazing like firing the spears into the side of the barricade and climbing up and running across the rooftops. It's amazing. Yeah, I was just going to talk about that scene. San in general, I think, is a fantastic character. All of the character designs, too, of all like the creatures, mm-hmm. all the forest creatures, especially the those little alien-looking guys. What are they called? Oh, the tree spirits? Um, yeah. The tree, yeah. <laughs> tree spirits with their little yeah. rattleheads. Yeah, like, they're so cute. I want one. It's like it, w- <laughs> I, it wasn't a thing when uh, when this movie was being made, but it's almost like um, how uh, Miyazaki just w- thought to himself, "Hmm, what if Funko Pops were terrifying?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if one of those little things popped into my room in the middle of the night and I saw it, yeah, they were kind of cute in the movie, but I would be terrified. I would be screaming. And I would run out of my house and never come back in. But oh, despite but forest spirits, they bring good luck. Yeah, oh. but despite that, you would still want a plushie of one of those things, wouldn't you? It's, <laughs> it straddles the line perfectly between just abject horror and uh, cuddly cuteness. I want a yeah. plushie, and then I'm gonna hold it like that that video of Mads Mikkelsen with the alien plushie, oh where he like God. takes its hand and makes it like stroke his face. Uh, <laughs> Lily, Lily, you you can't bring up Mads Mikkelsen on a podcast to me. That's all the episode will turn into. So. I'm sorry. It's a- I, my roommates and I just finished uh, marathoning all three seasons of Hannibal, and we'll have to talk Whoa. about this later because it was. We watched all three seasons within like three weeks and oh then had a big finale party and we like lit candles and had like <laughs> sparkling grape juice and like oh, got sushi. Yes. And my friend Lissa didn't watch with us because she's lame, but she came to watch the finale. And so we kept making jokes about how we were having an old friend for dinner. <laughs> and, uh, just, and, uh, 
It was great. It was a lot of fun. Oh, it's so beautiful. They just told each other. He's like, this is all I've ever wanted for you, Will. It's, like, it's beautiful. I love my murder husbands. Uh, okay, we're getting totally off topic. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I um, drop a teacup on the floor to watch it shatter. I'm never satisfied when it doesn't pick itself back up again. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'm going to have to start a Hannibal podcast next and oh, yep. I can just it talk just, about you, Mads Mikkelsen oh, for 12 Hayden hours. Lily would just die to do that. Lily, this, <laughs> Lily I'm, I'm holding you uh, while covered in blood right now. This is all I've ever wanted. This is all I ever wanted for both of us. It's beautiful. <laughs> Cue Susie all right, I'll, I'll have my people call your people. Yeah, yeah, um, call my agent. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about, um, so I watched the English dub version, um, which Same here. I don't, yeah, I don't know how it is with like uh, Ghibli movies compared to anime, but I know that some people are like purists and are like, you have to watch the sub version because it's the only version that's real. Uh, the Ghibli um, movies I think is perfectly fine because they get really good directors and actors. Exactly. So I was just going to say, um, fun fact about the actors in this movie, um, Claire Danes voices San or Princess Mononoke, um uh, uh Jillian Anderson voices the wolf mom. <laughs> yes. Uh which was like so great. I love her. Uh, bring so it back much. to Hannibal. I love Speaking it. Speaking of Hannibal, <laughs> um <laughs> uh Minnie Driver voices Abashi, which she's great. Um the one the only voice that like threw me off was Billy Bob Thornton. I know. And it's Oh, <laughs> you want to hear something funny? Have you seen Billy Bob Thornton back in 1999? Yeah. Around that era. He looked like a totally different human being. He kind of looked like his character. <laughs> <laughs> but the voice is just so, like, it does not fit. It's just so bizarre. But I loved it. He was great. I, oh, it was so great. Yeah, because it's just like, yeah, it, because it's like Billy Bob Thornton just rolled into this fantasy <laughs> world. And it's like, yeah, kid, what can I tell you? The world's crazy. Nothing really matters. So you just got to yeah. just kind of It was like he your- came and, like, kicked my door down in a pair of jeans and cowboy boots and was like hey i'm here in this anime world now i was like all right cool i i want an i, I want a ghibli movie that's like billy bob thornton um oh god damn it i'm blanking on his name now uh jeff bridges and and like uh john Turturro just hanging out yes. in the anime world i don't I don't think you could get any like three collection of voices that do not fit in animation more than those three. Oh wait, John that Turturro is a living cartoon. Are you kidding me? Oh, <laughs> uh, the Cohen! I can't wait for the Cohen Brothers' first animated flick. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're, we'll make it happen. I'll I'll uh, kickstart it or something. Um. So uh, let's talk about. So, what do you guys have any like favorite moments from this film? Anything specifically that like you know? Well, makes your heart. I, I have a moment that stuck out to me because I actually. Well, I said this is my first time seeing this movie. I actually saw the end of this movie before, and okay. it's really that point where the the Nightwalker gets its head back and mm-hmm. dies. 
and suddenly like everything blossoms and that yeah. scene is just I, I thought it was beautiful and it's something that stuck with me for a long time um and just seeing it again after oof, I think it was it's been 15 17 years since I saw that I was just blown away by how incredible that scene really is and the music's fantastic as well oh my gosh yeah I um I actually kind of wanted to to bring that up. So I don't know that you guys, if you guys know this, but I'm a um, actually a music major. I'm oh, really? in college studying um, musical theater and opera. So I'm a big singer um, and that kind of thing. That's what I do. Um, and so I was really struck by. I'm always really struck by Ghibli movies in general and how simple the music is, but how effective it is and. Um, I'm actually in a class right now called film music analysis and the whole class is just studying films and music and like how films use music and where it comes from and all this stuff. Um, and so, you know, I just, there were so many times in this movie where it was silent. There wasn't any music. It was just like sound effects, like being underwater or wind or, you know, dialogue there just there wasn't anything accompanying it and so it really was so the moments where there is song is really impactful and it's always just these simple little melodies you know it's never anything like super complicated um right I don't know I just I just thought it was it's just always really effective and um really interesting to me yeah Um, because you know a a lot of movies access like you know these beautiful luscious scores with strings and you know and there's a little bit of that but it's not it's not as much you know what i mean it just is it's just really nice it's refreshing yeah it's it's, spare yeah it's all it's even in like mainstream like live action cinema it's you know a brave choice to or uh, a different choice to have minimal score but for an animated, for an, God damn it, I can't speak. But for an animated film, but for an animated film, especially to have very minimal score is uh, especially unusual. And uh, it's really, really effective. The, uh, the guy that uh, composed all, the composer for this, uh, Joe, uh, yeah, wait a minute, Joe Hisoshi. Hey, Joe. Yeah, Joe oh. Hisoshi. Um, okay. <laughs> Yeah, the guy has done most of uh, has uh, has done most of Miyazaki's movies actually, uh, but on top of that, he has some ridiculous amount like a hundred seventeen or more uh, composing credits to his name, and like that. Wow. I think that's more than like uh, John Williams and uh, other guys like that. It's crazy. One scene I really liked was a uh, scene uh, closer to the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever uh, Ashitaka, after he's killed the uh, the boar spirit, and is uh, you know getting his diagnosis from the uh, from the wise woman, and mm-hmm. she's just basically telling him like, "Yeah, you're uh, you got them uh, you got them." spirit infections so uh <laughs> you're banished forever and no matter what you do <laughs> no matter what you do for the rest of your life we will not acknowledge your existence and you know he cuts yeah, off his uh, poor kid yeah yeah and he just has it to seems like a really arbitrary and terrible law 
<laughs> well, <laughs> there are some really arbitrary and terrible laws throughout this whole movie. I think it's funny because I thought that for a while too, and it still kind of is arbitrary. But the um, uh, I was reading a while ago. I, was, I started getting into more of uh, researching the production side of this movie, and mm-hmm. I read a uh, an interview with Miyazaki where he talks about Ashitaka as a character. And from Miyazaki's point of view, he doesn't think he should have killed the boar. Mm. He, he thinks he uh, basically like a- acted too quickly without uh, thinking about the consequences of his actions. So in a mm. way, this is kind of, you know, you know, he's kind of getting what he deserves in a way. Or he's he's having to deal with the consequences of his actions in this scene. But one thing that's really, really funny is that... um. So he's basically, you know, rendered a not person by this wise woman in the rest of the village. And he goes on his merry way. And But before he leaves, uh, his sister tracks him down. Mm-hmm. And he's all like, you know, I'm, I've been banished and all that. So you probably shouldn't talk to me. But his sister's just like, nah, I don't care. I'm going to talk to you anyway. And, uh, you know, they are able, they're able to say goodbye. And, uh. I don't know. I I I really thought that was a nice little moment, you know, from a character that we don't really ever see again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's Tara Strong's best acting period. Even you know, <laughs> I, she's I, she's a solid voice actor. Uh, she's really yeah. good. But that little moment, and that's why I say this has really good voice direction, is incredibly strong it's a very moving line that she has when she gives him that crystal yeah. dagger a mm. um, couple other things uh, I really liked about this movie that I wanted to touch on with, uh, you made me think of it with the when you brought up the boar uh, one of the things I don't particularly care about in anime is that there's generally very especially in the really bad stuff they, they, the stakes don't exist if a character is popular mm. and they get quote unquote killed they're going to come back later on there's always going to be some reason, and no one dies. You can fall a thousand feet, and you're perfectly fine. So it's just like, okay, I'm just watching a series of action sequences. Uh, mm-hmm. Whereas in this film, you know, anything, anytime anyone gets hurt, there's like this constant wear and tear on their bodies that yeah. is that makes it really physical, and it creates the stakes. And I, I really that helped get me really emotionally involved in these movies and these characters, which also leads me to another point was the bad, there's no bad guys. The the worst of the characters, which is the Billy Bob Thornton character. It was Jody or I can't remember. uh, Is yeah. Gigo. He is, he has a terrible thing that he wants to get done. However, he is extremely respectful to everyone and treats his own soldiers very well. Uh, and he, he's never and, and for no reason really like he doesn't stand a, seemingly through pure uh, altruism. He helps out Ashitaka at the beginning of the movie, like, and he never gains anything from that. <laughs> like he just right. did it because right. he wanted to help him out. Right, and uh, you have Lady Ibashi who's just taking care of like lepers. Just she takes care of everyone it's just this it's all practically a utopia if she wasn't destroying the 
you know, the forest. The forest, yeah. So, Stan, uh, going off of what you were talking about, about the fact that there are no villains, the thing that sets in motion pretty much this whole movie, at least for our main character, uh, Shitaka, he is that... Um, so the boar spirit was infected by this, like, bit of iron that came from Eboshi's town. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And s- which causes him to go crazy and then in turn, you know, infect Ashitaka and then gets him infected. He's pretty much dragged into this. Uh, he's a casualty of a conflict that he's far away from and has nothing to do with, you know. And it's uh, that bit of iron like never really comes back. It's just like one more side effect of this war between uh, between like industrialization and uh, nature, basically. Which was right. really cool, and it's like pretty much the uh, the case for all of the the different parties in this conflict going on, because we're never really given a like inciting incident for the big conflict. You know, like we don't mm-hmm. we never say like oh like the the dwarves dug too deep <laughs> and too greedily <laughs> and released the Balrog or whatever. You know, Iboshi just is basically a uh, a businesswoman who saw an opportunity to, you know, help out a bunch of people in her community and just expanded too much, which caused the, uh, you know, the force to strike back at her. And then, you know, she can't just let that stand. So she's got to ramp it up and it just kind of bounces back and forth, you know, forever. But no one is exactly at fault. Like people on both sides do bad things. Um, actually, uh, Hayden, I was going to bring up that exact point about, you know, we were talking about there not really being any villains. Um, you know, Abashi is not inherently a bad person. Wow, my radio's on. <laughs> um, uh, Abashi is not inherently a bad person. She like, you know, she's saving these lepers and she's giving all these brothel women like a better life and yeah. letting them kind of be themselves. But, you know, she's just a businesswoman doing what she thinks is right and she just happens to be destroying you know nature um and she's even not painted as a villain either when you watch her facial expressions and you listen to the way her lines are delivered they're not delivered with any sort of like typical animated movie villain malice you know she's not she's not even painted as a villain really Uh, she's just kind of like a woman doing her thing yeah and like right. she can't she can't just suddenly stop what she's doing because now she has an entire community of people that are relying on her to provide for them so, right but right. they all have jobs and if she quit you know they wouldn't have anything any work they wouldn't have any money any food like it, everything would be gone no she's portrayed extremely sympathetically uh the only like true villain is samurai which apparently you know, Miyazaki really hates samurai. That <laughs> that is, if you've ever if you've ever watched Miyazaki give an interview or an acceptance speech for an award, that will make uh-huh. perfect sense. Like he, whenever he got an Oscar, uh, he uh, his acceptance speech was basically like five minutes about how you know it's great that uh, that we haven't lived through a war recently, <laughs> and that. Uh, <laughs> But we need to work against the systems that produces produces conflict and war and so on and so forth. It, it's amazing. <laughs> he's, he's so great. I love him. Actually, I uh, bringing that up. I wanted to. So, um, 
when they brought the movie from Japan to America, obviously they uh, sold it to Disney. Um, and so uh, Disney was like, uh, so uh, they they were going to release it through Miramax, which is like a independent company well, alongside Disney. Yeah. It's like another one of their. Yeah, back in the day, Miramax was a was a subsidiary of Disney. Right, um, and so uh, uh, Miyazaki met with with Harvey Weinstein, uh, and Weinstein was <laughs> like, "Hey, the movie needs to be cut down because it's too long and all this stuff, and it's frivolous and blah blah blah." And so they sent him a katana with a message that said, "No cuts." <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that, and that's that's amazing. <laughs> Uh, I I read that story. <laughs> yeah, I I I read that story and I just like could not. I was just like standing ovation, giving applause. Like yes, uh, it was good. There's a um a wonderful documentary, um that is near and dear to my heart in ways that I can't really explain. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, about what was going to be the making of what was going to be Miyazaki's last movie, um, uh, which the wind rises. Yeah. Yeah. The, the wind rises and it followed him through the entire production of that thing. And, um, I don't know. I, I, he is, he's a very, very prickly old man <laughs> that is very businesslike about the way that he conducts himself in his work. Like he's very, um, he takes a very unpretentious view about the about the work that he does, mm-hmm. which I which which I like. But every now and then, like they'll um, during the documentary, he'll like go off on this whole thing about how he actually loves doing animation and it's such a, but how it allows him to do things and express his imagination in ways that no other thing can, and it's it's a. It's a really, really wonderful film. Uh, if you are interested in Ghibli What's the name of the movie? Miyazaki, it's called The Kingdom of Dreams and Madness. Mm-hmm. I really like, I don't know, I really like people like that, like creators like that who are just like, yeah, I, I make art. That is what I do. It is basically, it's, it's my job, but I like doing it kind of a thing, you know? Um, like I said, a complete tangent. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's no, that's really great. Um, so now my complete tangent. Um, so I mentioned that I'm a musical theater major, and so you have to understand that I completely nerded out when I found out that there is a stage adaption of this musical of this movie. There is. What? There is, and it is the. It was the very first stage adaption of a Studio Ghibli movie. Um, it came out. It was in 2012. Um, it was so. It's a, it, a British theater company called Whole Hog Theater um, produced it. Um, you need to go look up photos from this production because it's beautiful. Um, all of the animals are made out are these like giant puppets that are made out of like recycled and reclaimed material. Um, it's so beautiful. All of it is gorgeous. Um, and the, the performances were scheduled, um, at a, at a brand new theater in London and they sold out within 72 hours a year in advance. God, (laughs) please tell me they kept all the decapitations and amputations. 
I, I don't know because I'm not sure that I know that there's a video of it somewhere, but I don't know mm-hmm. where it is. I, I combed the web for it for about 30 minutes and couldn't find any like production videos. I mostly found like stuff that the, the cast filmed backstage and like because um, that's something very common that people do when they do productions, especially on Broadway and stuff is like cast members will make videos during intermission and during rehearsals and stuff. And then they'll put them up on YouTube as like a promo thing or a vlog series, whatever. Um, But it ran in London for a while and then transferred to Japan. Um, And so it it just kind of, it ran back and forth. So between 2012 and 2013, it ran uh, back and forth between London and and Tokyo. And um, yeah, I just, it's so beautiful. If you go look at the, at the, uh, the pictures, just Google like um, Princess Mononoke stage adaption or something like that. And there's uh, pictures of the costumes and the puppets and the set pieces. And it looks really great. Do they do it as a musical or a straight play? I think it's just a play. Uh, I think it's just a play, but they had a live orchestra probably for like, um, uh, like underscore music and stuff. But as far as I know, it's just a straight play. I, I oh, am wondering wow. like, I'm looking yeah. at it right. You looked it up. <laughs> wow. This is like really cool. It's dope, right? This is gorgeous. Yeah, just let's have like five minutes of me silently scrolling through Google Images. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I the puppets I would kind of compare them to um, the warhorse play. Um, they look a lot like the horse the horse puppets from that play, where it's kind of like it's less like Lion King, where it's like a full body and more like kind of just a skeleton. So you can still kind of see the people. I mean, I guess you can in Lion King too, but it's less like the person is part of the puppet and more like shadow puppetry, basically, where the person is supposed to be disguised inside of the the thing it's they're they're really beautiful um i i like i kind of wish i could see it um but alas such is the uh the way of live theater um but yeah um so let's see what are we at we are we're at a pretty good time here so um do you guys have any closing thoughts or any uh, final things you want to say uh, about this movie uh I have like uh, one last fun fact uh, yeah, about go this for movie. It. <laughs> uh, the person that uh, did the translation for the uh, for the for this movie uh, was Neil Gaiman. Oh yeah, I did remember reading that actually. Like, no he, kidding. He wasn't the one like translation translation, but basically what he did was he worked with the translator to decide how it was translated and what words in english would replace the word the equivalent words in japanese and all that jazz right and like and what so made most natural. sense yeah and what would fit their lip syncing too which mm-hmm. is I mean, it's just impressive the amount of work that went into it I mean, obviously two years of work went into it right because you know they <laughs> had to translate and adapt and then re-record and re-sync and yeah that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, and ADR is no joke. That is difficult no. stuff to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, don't even get me started. <laughs> but yeah, uh, as far as final thoughts, um, it's a, it's a, you know, a beautiful movie, just like in every possible way that you can think of. You know, f- mm-hmm. visually, or um, 
you know, from a visual standpoint, from an audio standpoint, as we've talked about, it's well acted. It's, and then just from a pure like character and story standpoint, it's amazing. I think one thing that um, people say a lot about Miyazaki movies and wrongly i think is that like a lot of his movies or a common conception is that a lot of his movies are like simple like environmental mm-hmm. morality plays kind of a thing that are just like yeah his movies right. are about like don't be don't be mean to nature which yes like he 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 has a lot of strong vi- environmental messages in his movies but i it's so much more complicated than that and so much more nuanced than that in like every case and uh, this yeah. one is like a perfect example of that it's not it's I, I suppose if you wanted to boil this movie down to like a single sentence it'd be uh, don't kill nature but right yeah. from there but at the same it time it's infinitely find a more balance between industrialization and uh, nature exactly it, 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 they can't they don't have to be at war with each other yeah no nature is definitely a major part of this movie but i think anybody that calls a ghibli movie simple just because it looks simple is has obviously never seen a ghibli movie they're not they're so much deeper and say so many things that it's not just on the surface you know you i I, words aren't working right now but like you know what i mean they're just (laughs) you have to really dig them apart you know you can't it's not just what it appears to be on the on the outside yeah like princess mononoke like on the surface is a like fable about you know environmentalism but then it turns in this whole thing about industrialization versus nature like Kiki's delivery service is like about like a witch learning to fly, but it's actually like a metaphor for like coming into your own as a person and like as an artist and yeah, so on and so forth. Like it's they're all so much more than you know what they say on the tin, which is which is great. It's it's, it's good. you done you done good, Ghibli. You done good. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't agree more. You done good. <laughs> You done good. You should put that on the box. You done good. <laughs> you done good. Hated right. for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Quote you. Um. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us on. Uh, oh yeah, it was tons and tons of fun. So, um, where can folks find you if you want to be found? Well, uh, we we can be found on uh, as I mentioned before on the They See Me Rolling Real uh, a Real Play D and D podcast, uh, and just like speaking your of that specifically, make. yes, uh, Hayden utilize runs the They See Me Rolling Twitter account. It's a at TSMRcast. But the great thing about Hayden running that is they also use it as their personal account so (laughs) you get a lot of great hayden musings throughout the uh throughout the timeline yeah it's it's a a real treat i can attest (laughs) uh thank you i just i just let the muse carry where it will (laughs) so uh you can also find me on uh that gay shit Uh, jesus christ (laughs) 
Uh, no, it's okay. Yeah. It's all good. It's the name of a thing. Okay. Sorry. Yes, parents listening to this in car with your children <laughs> uh, cover their ears. But yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a little late for that, bud, but yep, <laughs> I, that's the thought that counts, I think. <laughs> so it's uh, it's uh, me and uh, two of my uh, two of my friends. We're just three queers looking at examining queer narratives in uh, you know in media, whether they exist or not. Did you know that 10 Things I Hate About You is actually about two bisexuals falling in love with each other? Did you know that uh, uh, Batman and Robin, the 90s Batman and Robin, is actually uh, about <laughs> about uh, an NB coming to terms with their own gender identity? Well, if, uh, <laughs> that's, kind I believe of it. What, that's kind of what the show's about. <laughs> Great. We're not Sounds really like sure. a good time. If, if you want to listen Yeah, if you want to if you want to listen to a bunch of queers basically write AUs of uh popular movies and TV shows. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, it's it's all good, you know. I that's that sounds like a great time. <laughs> any 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 gay content is good content. Oh, uh, yes. Fabricated or not. Uh, thank you to all of you so much for listening. If you would like to find us, we can be found on Twitter and Tumblr at Ink Tank Cast. That's I-N-K-T-A-N-K-Cast. Or you can find us on our host website, uh, LunarLightStudio.com. That's studio, not plural, just one studio. Uh, you can find all of our podcasts there, including our Buffy podcast, our uh, Dreams audio narrative, and all the other crazy stuff that we do. Um, thank you so much again for joining us for Ink Tank, and we will see you next time to talk about more movies. Yay! <laughs> Bye! Bye! <laughs>